Well, today's scripture reading comes from uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. We're going to read this in the ESV. Uh, We have ESV Bibles in the back. Uh, If you want to look up the scripture on your own, it will also be projected behind me. If you're joining us at home, uh, sometimes it's kind of hard to read the scripture, so you may want to look that up on your own. Again, it's Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. And once you're ready to read uh, the scripture, if you could please stand as able. Um, Definitely, if you're here in person or if you feel comfortable doing that at home, so please stand as able for the reading of God's word. And may the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Well, in this season, um, I I don't really have a title for like a sermon series, not really a sermon series per se, but I've been kind of like using as a guiding principle. What do I need to hear? (laughs) So Steve, Pastor Steve, you know, what do I personally need to hear? And I feel like there are truths and certain things that God has been convicting me of that, you know, maybe some things that I've heard before, but I need to, like, hear that again and really need to ingest that in my soul. And I've kind of uh, felt led to share that with you. So last week I shared about what it means to be friends with Jesus. And that, that's been something that's been striking me. And today uh, I want to talk about no condemnation. And last week we talked about how we live in a world where maybe life feels like a competition. We're always being judged by other people. And we we always feel judged by certain standards. And, you know, maybe we have like an internal judge within us that kind of feels like, you know, we're not measuring up. You know, if we're having a bad week or, you know, we're not feeling very productive. Maybe for some of you, this is something that I, I hear very commonly for students that during the school year, you feel all this anxiety and pressure that you got to do these things. And then the school year ends, and you literally have nothing that you have to do, at least in terms of school, and you still feel that pressure. <laughs> Why? It's like almost like the pressure has become a part of you, right? That internal judge. You know, maybe there's an external judge, but now it's becoming an internal one, and you just kind of feel like you're not measuring up. Does that feel like you? Because for me, I think judgment and condemnation has been a big part of my life and especially my spiritual journey. So a passage like Romans 8 can be a lifeline, maybe for a lot of us. And so in Romans 8, 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this idea of no condemnation... um, Like like I showed a a picture of a a judge with a gavel because that's the implication of the word condemnation. In the Greek, it's katakrima. And what katakrima means literally is to set apart for judgment, right? You're like, hey, you come over here and we are going to judge you. And the, the implication is that it's not just condemnation. It's not just guilt, but you've already had the guilt, right? You already did the bad thing and now you have been judged for it. Right? You have been found guilty, and now there's a penalty. Now you have a different status. Now you are a criminal, right? And that is the feeling of condemnation. That's what it means by this word. And so this idea that we have none of that, has that been true for you? 
Because I got to tell you, I've heard this passage before, and it can be really powerful. It should be really powerful. But I think there's many, even Christians, Christ followers, who still live under a lot of condemnation, who still feel like, man, you know, I've done something wrong. You know, I feel like, you know, there, there's, I, I just feel like something is wrong. And you feel that all the time. You feel like, 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 oh, man, like I'm a bad person or I'm not measuring up. I'm not doing well enough. You know, do you ever feel that? I want to try to describe to you what condemnation is like. Um, and I want to do that by showing you a picture of my dog. So this is my dog, Lucky. And I just want you to look at this picture and then just, I don't know, form mental words, right? What do you think about this picture of Lucky? How does Lucky look to you? Any thoughts? We're a pretty small number here. Anyone want to share? What do you guys think about the way Lucky looks? Any sense of his mood or what kind of day Lucky is having? What do you think? Does he look pretty chill? Does he look happy? Does he look sad? All right, so I shared this actually on Facebook about three years ago. So I want to show you, uh, this is the caption that I wrote for this, okay? This is September 25th, 2019. Someone pooped in our bathroom and not on the toilet. Hint. <laughs> it was Lucky, right? So now when you look at this picture, does Lucky look guilty to you? Does this look like a guilty dog? I know it's kind of hard to see um, with, with our projector and with the lights, but, you know, for me, when I looked at Lucky, I was like, dude, you look so guilty, man. But this is the thing, right? Animals don't really have expressions. We kind of, like, put an expression on their face. Like, I shared this before that, you know, dogs, when they're very, like, hot and they're panting and they're like... <sighs> They actually look like they're smiling because their mouth is open and kind of upturned. And so they could just be really hot and exhausted, but you're like, oh, you're so happy. Look at that happy puppy. And they're just like, <laughs> I'm dying inside. What is happening here? Do they really have an expression or are we projecting on them, right? I'm angry at Lucky because he pooped in our bathroom, right? And we just see the curly cue of the steaming poop in the, the a little too descriptive, sorry guys, but the, I want you to feel what I felt. And I like almost stepped in. I'm like, oh my goodness. It's like a little runny. You know, it's like not cool, right? And I was so angry and I'm like, Lucky, what did you do? And then Lucky just, he curls up next to Aaron, right? This is Lucky's favorite person to curl up to. I'm the one who feeds him. I take him out every day. And when he has a choice between me and Aaron, he picks Aaron every time. So messed up, right? But this guy, he's like, oh, I'm going to go curl up next to my favorite person, next to Aaron, you know? And, and, and when I look at him, like, that's a look of guilt, right? But that is just what I'm projecting, right? And I wonder, when we are in uh, a sense of condemnation, we feel condemnation. We feel it all around us. But the question is, is it really real? right? Is that condemnation real? And, and so you can live in condemnation, right? Like for me, I mean, I genuinely was upset because Lucky pooped in the bathroom. I mean, Lucky, he's a dog. He doesn't care, right? But maybe actually, maybe he could actually feel what I was feeling. I don't know if his expression would show it, right? Because dogs don't really have expressions. But, you know, Lucky feels my anxiety. I mean, it's definitely true. There are times where I would like, you know, kind of like yell in the house and I would get like really upset you know, and so now, if I even breathe loudly, if I just go, lucky, boom, he bolts out of the room, he like hides under the bed or hides behind the couch, 
I'm like, lucky, I'm just breathing, man, <laughs> you know? But he has these triggers, right? He has learned. Yo, this dude has, you know, yelled before in the house, and I try not to do it anymore, but damage has been done, right? And so he's always, like, running from me, you know? And there, there is this idea of, man, I, I think that there are some things that, like, it may not be exactly true, but we live as if it is true. I want to talk about this a little bit. So what are we talking about when we talk about condemnation and, you know, why we are under it? So I, I want to just share with you what came right before Romans 8. This is Romans 7. A lot of you may know this passage. It's, it's a lengthier passage, so we're not going to read the whole part. It's worth reading. In order to really appreciate Romans 8, you've got to read Romans 7. Because what Romans 7 talks about is the idea that there is a war going on within you, right? Something we've talked about before. There is something that Paul calls flesh and something that call, Paul calls spirit, right? Um, so spirit is the seat of your will. And we know that there's a Holy Spirit. So when we are being led by the Holy Spirit, we are doing God's will. Does that make sense, right? And you have a spirit that a will that's able to kind of choose things. But what we believe as Christ followers is that that will is actually under bondage, right? It's been tainted by something. What is that? What is it? Sin. Yeah, it's sin, right? And so when it says the flesh, it's not talking about your body. This, this, there would have been perfectly good words that, that, that the word soma, you know, Paul could have used soma, but he doesn't use that. He uses the word sarks, flesh. And so what a lot of theologians and scholars believe is that this was Paul's special word for sinful nature, right? And so there's this thing that has tendencies, and it's different than the Spirit of God. And your will is being subverted by that, right? So there's many of us who may be like, like you think to yourself like, oh, I want to be a joyful person. But then you're weak. You're like angry all the time. Why? You just said you wanted to be joyful. You really do want to be joyful, but you can't be joyful. Oh, I want to be like a forgiving person. Like, like I, I just want to be kind of chill. I just want to let things go. But then, man, every time someone wrongs you, like, like it sticks to you, right? Like glue. And you're always thinking about how people wronged you. And you're always like, like, like you know, every time you see someone's face, you, 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 there's like a history lesson that plays in your mind of all the things they've done to you before. And you, you just, it's like playing like a tape in your mind. You're like, why can't I let it go? We're going to find out why. And this is what it says. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, right? So in your sinful nature, <laughs> there's nothing good there. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. You see that, right? So, so Paul is saying, right, your will, right, there's something within you that's like, hey, there's a good thing that I want to do, but you can't do it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me, right? So you have a tendency to do certain things. And, and the way we talk about it is like, Spirit is kind of elevated. It's like the good things, right? Like love, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's so many good things that the Spirit wants to lead us to. But there's a low-hanging fruit that's just all about like, hey, let's avoid pain. Let's, let's just, you know, stay away from threats, right? And this is why when you think about studying, right, 
that there, the, the, sometimes there's a pain point to that. You're like, ah, oh, like, but, ah, oh, like, like I, I just don't feel very smart. Like, I'm not ready for the test. It's kind of uncomfortable to think about. Oh, man, I'm going to have to be up all night, and, and that studying is going to be really strenuous, and, you know, and so you think about it, and your flesh takes over. It's like, oh, <laughs> let's not study. Let, let's go take a nap, right? And, and, and there's this part of you that it subverts your will, right? And it gets you to choose a different path, right? And oftentimes what ends up happening is you choose it so often it becomes almost automatic, right? You get people who are like habitual procrastinators. This guy, right? I used to tell people I double majored in sociology and procrastination in college. I was a master procrastinator. Right? And there's so many times like I would like like be almost close to tears. I'm like, I want to stop procrastinating. I, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be up all night. You know, in half the night, it's just me like putzing around on the computer, right? And then like the last two hours is frenzied studying. I don't want to do that. It stinks, right? I get bad grades. Like I'm tired. I'm tired of it. But I can't stop. What is that? Do you, do you guys feel that, right? Do you guys feel that? that, that it, it's like a bondage, right? And, and that's what it's talking about in Scripture. So he continues, Paul, he says, so I find it to be a law. And in this passage, if you have a hard time with the word law, just think of like command, right? Think, think of like rule. So I find it to be a rule that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand, right? Anytime you want to do good, anytime you want to elevate, evil like, like the wrong things are just right there. For I delight in the law of God, in the rule of God, in my inner being. But I see in my members, in my body, another law waging war against the law of my mind, what my mind wants, and making me captive to the rule of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So friends, for those of us who are under this kind of system, how does that make you feel? Do you feel awesome? Are you like, dude, that rules. <laughs> the fact that I can't do right things. The fact that I can't actually be joyful and peaceful and loving the way that I want to. I really do want to be those things, but I can't. Do you like that? I think for a lot of us, it engenders great feelings of guilt. Right? Great feelings of despair, right? And maybe sometimes even like self-loathing. Maybe you've been in church so long where you know we are supposed to be a certain way, but you struggle, right? And you're always kind of making mistakes. You're flip-flopping back and forth between like, you know, the kinds of things that God wants us to do. Sometimes you do them, but other times, and it's almost like a default mode, right? It's like the pull of gravity to just choose the low-hanging fruit. Just choose the things that are comfortable, right? And it, it, it's just so hard to escape that gravitational pull. How does that leave us? And I just want to be honest with you. For me, you know, so much of my life, like from adolescence and, and on, it's just this kind of feeling of self-loathing, this feeling of like just not liking myself. And these moments when I procrastinate or I can't do the good that I want to do, even like writing a sermon and I'm sitting there and I'm playing a video game. I'm like, dude, what are you doing, man? Stop playing the video game. Go write the sermon. You know, and I'm like, yeah, I should. And I, I just, I hate myself, right? Do you guys ever feel that way? What is that? 
There's a Greek word for it. It's called katakrima. It's condemnation, right? We're in this place where I'm like, what's wrong with me? How do we get out of that? And so, friends, this is the human condition. And this is what Paul is saying. I feel wretched, right? Who will deliver me? Who will save me? And he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So it's very clear in this passage. Who's going to save you? Are you going to save yourself by your own willpower? No. Jesus is going to save you. By what? By what he did for us on the cross. So that's how we get to Romans 8, right? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So just, you know, gospel in a nutshell, right? Like we were under sin. We could not save ourselves. God sent his son Jesus into this world to save us from our sin. He went to the cross. He lived the perfect life. He fulfilled the law. And he died on that cross as a substitutionary atonement. Because there are penalties for sin, Jesus paid that cost. So we don't have to. And Jesus paid that cost so now you could be freed from the bondage of sin. And one of the main bondages that we experience, many of us, is that condemnation, that feeling, that shadow, that that thing that just hangs over you where you always feel like you're messing up and you're doing wrong and you just, just can never get out from under it. Right? And so, friends, I just want to make a few points here uh, from this passage that, you know, maybe things that, that, that I, I myself, I need to be reminded of this, and maybe this will be helpful for you. And the first point is, it's our sinful nature that leads us and not the Spirit of God often. And so, one of the things that I think Romans 7 and 8 does for me is to let me know I'm not alone. I'm not this weird person or this weak person or this incredibly sinful person more than anyone else. We're all under this condition. We're all in it together. And God knows, right? And so when you read Romans 7, at least for me, I feel seen, man. I'm like, Paul gets it. You know why Paul gets it? Because Paul is a human. And Paul is also under the rule of sinful nature at times, just like all of us. And there are times where I'm like, what's wrong with me? And the feeling I get is like, other people don't struggle the way that I do. That's one of the main, like, like kind of messages of condemnation. This feeling like you are exceptionally bad. That's what shame is about. Shame is isolating. It's not just guilt like I did bad, but like, oh, you know what? You deserve to be isolated. What was katakrima? Being set aside for judgment. Like, you got to leave the, the community. You guys remember in biblical times that if someone was like a leper, right? It was believed that, like, like, like you are like really unclean. And it's tied to sin. Like, the people think, like, you must have done something wrong, or your parents must have done something wrong. And we don't want that. We don't want that blight in our community. So what would they do? They would set those people outside of the city gates. They would have to be far away from society. And this, in many ways, is what condemnation feels like. You feel like you're on an island. You feel like no one would understand. You certainly don't want anyone to know what you did. That's condemnation. Right? Think about it. Do you want people to know the stuff that you did that's making you feel bad? Would you want to share that with the world? Would you want to share that at church? And I got to tell you that it's not unique to Asian American settings. I know not everyone here is Asian American, but a lot of folks at LGM come from backgrounds, Asian backgrounds. And a big part of a lot of Asian cultures is shame. 
They're shame-based societies. We don't share personal stuff. We don't share our problems. We don't share our weaknesses and vulnerabilities. It's just something you don't do. And so oftentimes we learn, and I've definitely learned, how to come to church and act like everything is fine, right? And everything is cool, right? And it's one of the things, again, I'm not saying this to shame you because the whole message is like no shame, no condemnation. So please do not misunderstand this. But I'm just trying to show you guys. I've been at many, many churches where we do joys and concerns, and they're passing around the mic, and everyone's sharing like, hey, you know, like my, my kid is in the hospital, or, you know, someone, uh, uh, they're, they're in rehab, can you pray for them? And like all kinds of stuff gets shared. When we do joys and concerns at LGM, no one shares. No one, right? Think about this past year. How many times has anyone ever shared during joys and concerns? Like shared something personal. Share, shared a prayer concern. Again, if you're feeling shame, stop it. <laughs> stop it. That's not what it's about. But friends, we, that's, that's our culture, right? That's what we grew up with. And it's like a gravitational pull. So we don't need to feel bad about that, but we need to understand it, right? It's, it's just the reality that we're living under, right? And so then what we see is that um, there is going to be a way that God is trying to free us from that, right? So continue, right? So there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life, the rule of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, right? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, as an atonement for sin, that's what that means, he condemned sin in the flesh. So this is what, what happens, is that we have a law, a, 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 a holy law, spiritual law that God has given us, of the way we are supposed to be, God's standard. We can't match it. We try. We try in our flesh and we fail. Why do we fail? Because of what it describes in Romans 7, right? Sinful flesh is having its day. It's stronger than you. You can't overcome it. And so we always end up choosing the wrong thing, kind of eventually, right? And so God knows that. So what does he do? He sends spirit to become flesh. God who was spirit becomes flesh, and in the flesh he lives the perfect life. And in the flesh that perfect life then sacrifices itself, dies for imperfect flesh. So now we imperfect flesh, can now become spirit, right? That's what's happening, right? And so in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So this is one of the crucial things, right? This idea that now God desires for us to become like Jesus, right? We were being led by the, the flesh, and that's no good, right? Like, like, we're not able to be loving and joyful and peaceful and all these things. It's no good, right? And so God wants us to experience that life, and there is this part that often gets left out when we think about the gospel or, you know, in Christianity. It's something that Sometimes we call like kind of like fast food Christianity, kind of like, like, eat, like cheap grace, right? It's this idea that because of Christ has done, you have been forgiven. 
But that's the part that people like to emphasize, right? You're in the cycle, right? Like, you know in, 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 in your spirit, right, what you should be doing, but because of your flesh, you can't do it, so you fall. And then you're like, oh, but Jesus died for me. He forgave me. And then you feel better. You're like, yeah, great. And then because of your flesh, you fall again. And then you're like, oh, but Jesus died for me. Thank you so much, right? And it's this, this cycle that we just stay on, right? And that is not something that God wants. It's not God's ultimate will for us, right? It may happen, but that's not like, like the preferred way of it, right? So the idea that Jesus, because of what Jesus has done, we are both forgiven and set free. You need both of those, right? So you see that, that in order for the righteous requirement of the law to be fulfilled, we now then have to live in a new way. To be like Christ, to live free from the condemnation, free from the cycle of what the sinful nature is doing to us. And that is what God desires for us, right? And so, friends, I, I mean, it's a good message, right? And, and, but, but I think for many of us, we're like, but Pastor Steve, how? How do we do that, right? And, and so one of the things that we're told is, as it continues, it says, so then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For you, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons or children of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So you've been given a new spirit. We are supposed to be free. But this is the question. Why aren't we? How many of us, you've heard this message before, right? And you're still on the cycle. Why? Why do those who have been freed live under condemnation? I have a friend of mine who, um, his parents were missionaries in Bangladesh, and he grew up in Bangladesh. Is this guy, uh, David Chang, who's a pastor out in Virginia. Um, and, and David talks about his experiences in Bangladesh. They're so, like, magical, because he had, like, I think he had, like, a pet monkey, you know? And there's just, like, like, really cool, like, wildlife all around. And he said that there would be, like, elephants, right? And there are some people that they would keep elephants captive. How in the world do you keep an elephant captive? Have you seen an elephant? Have you seen how strong they are, right? How do you keep an elephant active? And so this is, a uh, captive, this, this is what he said. That from the time that the elephant is a baby, they put a shackle around one leg. Right? And so that shackle uh, goes around one of the legs and it's got a chain. And because the baby is really small, whenever it tries to go farther than where they want them to go, it feels the tug on that chain and it can't, can't move, right? So then it stops. And after years and years and years of feeling the tug of that chain, right, it, it's just like, oh man, like, it's no good, right? I, I can't break free from this. So after a while, the elephant stops trying. But the elephant doesn't stop growing. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And after a certain time, yeah, of course, they have to put new chains on it, right? But after a certain point, like, the chain, it's just cosmetic, right? That elephant could bust out of that chain whenever it wants to. The chain is, like, very flimsy. Sometimes it's, like, rusted. Sometimes it's not even attached to anything. But the elephant never tries to escape. Why? Why? It's been conditioned. Time and time again, it's tried to escape when it was younger, and it's like, I'm in bondage. And now that it's actually free, it's strong enough to break free. It's like, well, I'm in bondage. So it never tries. 
I wonder if we are similar to that elephant. You have been set free, but there's something within you that you have been told that you are in bondage. I heard this story this past week about a, a girl who uh, just whenever she would talk to adults, none of them would listen. Her parents, you know, they had their own stuff going on, I'm sure, but her parents just like treated her like she wasn't in the room. And so she just became very small, not in stature, but just like she shrunk. Her voice shrunk. She never said anything in public. And one day she goes to school and, you know, again, in school, she shrinks. She never says anything. And, and there's just one day, for whatever reason, she decides to shoot up her hand. She's like, okay, I have a question. It's a big moment for her. Now, her teacher, who's a really good teacher, just happened to be busy with some other students. And they're, they're like, like, her back is almost turned. And the kid's going like this, right? The, and, and the teacher just keeps talking to the students. And slowly, what do you think happens to this girl? Her arm just starts to go down. She never says anything. For the rest of the year, she never puts up her hand a second time. Now, this is the thing. She had a great teacher, right? There, there's actually psychologists that, that they studied this case study, and they actually put her in that class because they knew she was a good teacher. She had a teacher that would have loved her. She had a teacher who would have listened to her, right? But it just so happened, right, that she didn't quite understand the situation. But in her view, she lived in a world where people don't listen to her, where she has to be small, where no one cares about her voice. And so that's all she saw. And so then she shrunk, and she lived according to that story. Friends, I wonder, for many Christians today, you are free. If you believe in Christ, if you accepted Christ, you are free, and you can live free. But this is the thing. You live in a world that is condemning you every day. Every day we walk around and we feel judged. Maybe some of you actually have actually come from backgrounds where you feel judged, where you feel like you're never good enough. Maybe your parents, maybe they said it, or if they didn't say it, it was just like, like, like when you didn't quite measure up, you saw that disapproval in their eyes. You saw the kind of noise they made when they looked at your report card, and they're like, mm. and th then your brother or your sister or someone else, <laughs> you know, their friend's friend, who like, oh, they went to Harvard, or they're getting straight A's. And you see their li eyes light up for them, but not for you. And then you learn this just, you just learn to shrink, right? You just learn this spirit of condemnation. And after a while, you don't even need your parents to do it. You do it to yourself. Whenever you screw up, you're like, why? What, what is wrong with me? Why did I do that? Friends, I share this with you because I do the same thing. Right? But look at what it says in this scripture, right? That, that if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Right? And this is the truth is that you have been set free, but there's still some, some bad habits that are a part of you. And if we learn to live by that new spirit, we're going to start to get rid of those things. Those things will start to die within you, right? And they will die if you don't keep them alive, if you don't keep listening to those voices, if you don't keep living according to that pattern. And there's so much more that can go into that, right? Um, in, in terms of how God can heal us.
But the first thing that I want us to know, the, the thing that I want to remind us of today, just the core truth, is that in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. God doesn't look at you and, look at you and be like, ah, what's wrong with you? That's society. That's maybe, you know, what you have heard and seen in this world. That is your projection of the world. That is not the reality. You've learned condemn condemnation, and condemnation is living within you. But Jesus, when he looks at you, no condemnation, right? But instead, we are told that we are now given a spirit that adopts us as children, right? To think about not like a worldly child, you know? I, I don't know what your, your relationship is like with your parents, Maybe for some of you, it's like kind of complicated, you know? But for some of us, you know, it, like, like there's these moments, even though our parents aren't perfect, where they just like unconditionally love you. I hope you've had that. And if you haven't had that, just know that this is how God treats you, right? So I showed you a picture of a mom holding a child. This is the bonded love that we have, right? What was condemnation? You guys remember? Katakrima. What, what does it mean? To be set aside for judgment. You're bad. You stay over there. No condemnation. This is what God desires to do with you. Praise team, can you come up? And maybe just for, for us, if you can just keep this image in your mind, in your heart, is this your image of your relationship with God? A mother with a daughter. A father with a son or daughter mother with a son, just holding their child close. Maybe that child did wrong. And, and maybe just, you know, the way that we deal with, with, with kids, like we, we just, we learn these patterns. We're like, no, you're bad. Time out. You go over there. You stay on the outside. You can't come into the room with the rest of the family. You stay out there. That's condemnation. That is not Jesus. Jesus holds the sinners close. You guys remember what Jesus did with sinners? He hung out with them. All the Pharisees, all the teachers of the law, like, no, 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 Jesus, you can't do that. But Jesus held them close. Friends, can you just believe and just absorb that truth? It's not like some complex idea that you've got to think about, but just hold that image in your mind right now. With all of your sin, with all of your mistakes, with all of your shortcomings, that God the Father is holding you close. Maybe even you're like, Father, depart from me, for I'm sinful. God, I got to go away. I got to go hide in the corner. I got to go put the blankets over my head. But God is saying, no, come close. There is therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Do you know what I did for you? I sent my son to die for you, right? I already knew that you're going to make mistakes. I already knew that you have a propensity to follow uh, and, and to, to choose the easy path and what's convenient and what's comfortable. I already knew that about you. But I want to hold you close and I want to teach you a new way. I want you to learn to be led by my spirit. But even when you fail, I'm never going to let go of you. God, what do we do with this truth? other than to just let it in, other than to just say thank you, God. And Lord, for, for us who have been holding on to condemnation and we've been living in that pattern, teach us, Lord, to not just know that we are forgiven by you, but to forgive ourselves as well. 
to live in that forgiveness, to live in that freedom, to not put down our heads because we think we are so uh, uh, shameful and so bad, but to lift up our eyes and see that we have you, our loving Father, who's holding us close, who's calling us child, who's forgiving us and setting us free all the time. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.